I had this dream last night that my dog, Minnie, who is really old by any dog standard, was dying or extremely ill. And in the dream, my wife wanted to put her down. And I was fervently against this, even though I was consenting to it. You know, you, you don't want them to be put down, but you know they're in a lot of pain and you don't really want it to be done. I woke up with tears, like dripping out of my eyes. I was so upset about this damn dream. This damn dog. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is September the 20th, and as of today, we have 31,216,791 total worldwide cases of COVID-19, with 964,724 deaths. And I got a great show for you this week. That's right. And the Devil's Advocate, we're going to be talking about our fallen familiars. In Infernal Informant, I've got two articles that forced me to look at things slightly differently. The first is Trump, caught off guard by news of Ginsburg's death, says he was saddened. And the second, officials identify a woman suspect after letter laced with deadly rice and poison sent to President Trump. And I'm going to cap this episode off with a visiting creature feature to a documentary called Long Way Up. And we'll get into it at the tail end of the show. Um... Lots to go over here. Uh, yesterday, I went hiking, and the past three weeks, I've been out every single weekend doing everything I can just to sort of reconnect and reestablish myself. I, I do this when I, I feel a little, you know, sort of out of sorts, as it were, and it helps a lot, actually. But the weather was not on my side. And I went up there and I was taking tons of footage because my intention was to put together a vital existence vlog, which I have all the footage for. I just am having issues. Um, thanks, Zachary. I was having issues with it. And uh, so it's not out yet. I plan on putting it out tomorrow or maybe, I don't know, Tuesday or something. But I just haven't been able to do it yet. That being said, it was raining the entire time. Completely, like, just... It went from just sort of like sputtering, you know, like you're done taking a leak and you're just sort of shaking and like a little little bits like flaking off your dick. That was falling on me from the sky or straight up downpour <laughs> the whole time. And I had my two dogs with me, no one else. And like Minnie, my little Shih Tzu, who is in dire need of a haircut, was just a mop, like a used high school janitor's mop waddling up the trail behind and freya was just like in heaven like running all over the trails and shit again i got footage i'm gonna put it together just haven't done it yet <laughs> but my point of this is no matter whether in the past two weeks it's been beautiful or it's absolutely just downpouring raining nearly the entire time i'm out there 
I still get out there because I need to. And I don't think I'm the only one that needs to, that is. I think a lot of people aren't getting out there and they make up a ton of excuses. Sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes they just don't feel like it. Whatever your excuse, if you have the ability to do it, you need to do it. It will help you, I guarantee. I don't know why I said it like that. I guarantee. Uh, Ruffles averages. All right. So uh, let me first say thank you to DJ RCO, I'm going to call you, because quite frankly, I don't like your name. Uh, Valeria, great to see you. How you doing, hon? Funeral Pyre, what up? Wes! Wes! <laughs> Good to see you, man. It's been too long. I hope uh, I hope the moving is going well. Um, William, great to see you, man. Uh, Zachary, always good to see you. Thanks for joining us in live chat. Brian, what up? Uh, silly swastika. <laughs> oh, you, you silly swastika. How you doing, man? All right, so here's here's the plan. I go hiking every weekend, regardless. Sometimes I take footage and turn it into a vlog. Sometimes I don't. That's actually the topic of the vlog I'm going to be putting out. So expect that here in just a little bit here. Um, oh, here's the other thing, Brian. Even when it's starting to get cold, if it's like a blizzard, I don't care. Get out. What, what do people melt? I like, I genuinely have friends who will not go on a hike or will not go camping. You know, name your outdoor activity. They will not do it. Not even a fucking drive. If the weather is less than stellar. And I've never understood that. We don't exist in a perfect controlled lab. Our bodies are meant to withstand and adapt to the environments. It's that simple. Like if it's wet, bring a poncho. If it's hot, don't bring a jacket. <laughs> bring sunscreen. Like adapt to the weather. That's what we as human beings have been doing since the dawn of time. I don't know why getting out is somehow different in that respect. You know, and this whole idea of, um, uh, I just don't feel like it. Fuck your feelings. Do it because you know, it's going to make you feel better. If for no other reason, you don't feel like it right now, you get out there and you feel fucking great. And you come back and you slowly slide back into your descent. But the point is while you're out there, it's, great. it's always great. I actually feel really bad for people who don't live within an hour or so of driving um, to a wilderness zone like that. I would, I would go crazy if I couldn't do that. And your only access is like city parks and shit. Nah, I'm not down with that. You got to get out, get out away from other people. And it is fucking therapeutic. At least it is for me. Um, all right. Just so you guys know, the autumn equinox is Tuesday, September 22nd. So if you're not going to do anything for it, that's fine. I'm not either, but the next week and I may be, I was actually going to be doing a ritual this weekend if my camping thing actually happened, which was planned. It couldn't get off the ground, and so I didn't do it. But I'm still thinking I kind of want to do something. So, I don't know. If I am, I'll put some notes in the Satanic Ritual group on my website. You can check those out there. And I never sent out an email for last week's Satanists on Cinema review of The New Mutants. But it's available to watch right now if you're interested to hear what we thought of the film. Tomorrow, Monday night, Satanist Cameron John and I are going to be doing a live watch party on Twitch. So you have to have Amazon Prime to join in. 
or you're just going to watch us as we react to the film. But it's going to be a full commentary <laughs> of Night of the Demons. That's right. I'll put out an email about this too, but Night of the Demons, the old 80s classic with the lipstick scene that made me go crazy as a young man. Oh, and even now thinking about it, it's awesome. If you haven't seen it, tune in tomorrow. And and here's the thing. If you don't have Amazon Prime, they actually give you free trials for like a month. So you can sign up for the free trial, watch the film with us, cancel it the next day, and no harm, no foul. It's literally that simple, but it's up to you. If you want to join us, we encourage you to do so. It'll be a lot of fun, and we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, all right, and the last note before we dive into the show is the book club. Next week, we're starting the first book club of this current book. So the book is Night Shift by up-and-coming author Stephen King. Don't know if you heard of him before. <laughs> Night Shift is essentially an anthology of a bunch of his stories, a handful of them. We're going to do the first two stories next Sunday at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So if you want to get in on it, read those two stories, get uh, a message over to me so I can invite you to the Google meeting, and then we'll sit around and chat about horror. What could be better? Book clubs are awesome. Um, that's kind of it. Do you guys have anything else in the chat room? What you got? How you doing, dog? That is a good ritual, actually. <laughs> Whoever's doing that. All right, let's dive into a little uh, Fallen Familiars, and I'm going to try not to bawl like a baby. All right, I got some, some images to throw up to cycle through for this. And these are two of my fallen familiars, which is why it's you know, kind of special to me. You're also going to see my wife and my niece. All right, so my Burmese Mountain Dog mix, you'll see there. Uh, I don't know how it's looking on your screen, but it's to the right. And then my Wolf Hybrid. Fenris, so Lofer and Fenris are my two dogs that have passed. Lofer was my first dog, my best friend as a kid, and I used to sleep in his doghouse because I loved him so much. All right, um, I wanted to talk about this aspect of the familiar experience because I've already talked about what it means to have a pet, right, in my familiar's discussion. And I've had two of them, one in Speak of the Devil and then one in a Nine Cents episode. This is very specific about when they die. Um, and we got to be honest, when <laughs> this is a part of life. Every Like right now, we are all actively on a slow march to death. And so it's sort of a morbid topic to breach to children. But as adults, by now, you more likely than not have experienced loss in one or more forms. And so it's important for you, if you're going into owning a pet, to understand that you're going to outlive that pet more often than not, which means you're going to have to deal with the grief of losing that pet. And that can actually be very, very difficult because I think anecdotally, 
we all understand that grandma and grandpa are going to die before us. So we're going to have to deal with that. We all know that our parents are going to die traditionally before us. And we all have to deal with that. Sometimes it's, you know, family like cousins or sisters or brothers or whatever, uh, friends. But we don't ever really take into consideration the animals, which is strange because you traditionally get animals when you're kids, which is when you're first introduced to death. But you're never thinking about it when you're in the pet store or when you're in the um, uh, vet clinic, you know, the, the uh, animal shelter, or you're going to a roadside stand of someone selling kittens or puppies, right? You never think, oh, how long is this pet going to last? When is it going to die? How attached am I going to be to this pet when it dies? And how am I going to deal with those emotions once that inevitably happens, right? It's something to seriously take into consideration. And so I want to talk about maybe a little bit of uh, the average lifespan of some of the more popular pets and talk about how we can kind of process that loss a little bit. Um, all right, so dogs, which are, you know, sort of toss up between cats is the most popular house pet that people buy. Dogs are an average of six to 15 years. Again, all of these depend on breed, how they're taken care of, the living conditions that they're existing in etc etc right so it's very very important whenever you purchase an animal to understand where it came from how it was brought into the world how its parents were taken care of so you can and, and of course understand if it's a dog what breed and the typical issues those breeds may have so you can then plan because here's something you got to understand as a pet owner insurance medical insurance it costs a lot of money if you're going to actually take care of your pets they have the same needs as humans right dental appointments uh, regular medical physical appointments like they need shots they need deworming they need heart medicine i mean it's a regular creature that you need to take care of as if it was a living member of your family right it's a familiar it's supposed to be close and important to you so why wouldn't you take care of it properly but that costs you have to understand what those costs are before you purchase or rescue that animal it's important because you may not be able to uh, uh, properly take care of it in some cases and you never would have anticipated that and then it would have had to be put down or you have to give it up to the the shelter again because you can't afford to take care of it so consider that seriously and consider the quality of the food you're giving these animals this is a huge issue. It can it can range from liver failure to allergies. Like the the quality of food that you give your animals should be equally considered to the quality of food that you would give yourself. I have to say as an aside, as an American, we have really terrible food choices that we make on a daily basis. So maybe not think of it in terms of what you'd put in your body, but what you should put into your body then give that to your animals um okay so brian says he had a, a the best dog ever one day he died out of nowhere you cried for days out of your cat had kittens and one stayed with you through it till you felt better now he's your best friend that's fucking awesome and that's the other thing i don't want to get into a whole um like animals alive thing because that's not the purpose of this but they emotionally connect with you and support you in the same ways that you emotionally connect and support them. It is a reciprocal relationship that you'll find. Anyway, so cats, 
uh, dogs can live up to 15 years on average. Some live more, some live less. Um, cats, on an average, 10 to 15 years. Fish can live 1 to 10 years, sometimes more. Goldfish last longer than a week, people. Seriously, they can live for years if you take care of them. Most kids don't, which is why they're dead in like a week. And then your mom goes and buys a new one and puts it in. Gerbils, two to four years. Very short. So don't get too attached. <laughs> Snakes can live up to 15 years on an average of 10 to 15 years. So understanding the lifespan of the animals that you're getting is the first step in emotionally preparing yourself for their loss. It also is a really great way of framing how you're going to take care of this animal, the quality of life that you're going to provide for it. If you know it's only going to last 10 years, like I'm a huge Burmese mountain dog fan. It's, I live in a desert in Utah, so I, I feel terrible ever buying one. And they only live on an average of 11 years. So that's not a long time. And it's like those two factors is, you know, the area that I live and their lifespan is a big reason why I haven't yet bought one because, you know, I grew up with one or a, a hybrid of one and I absolutely adored them. These are the choices you have to make as a responsible pet owner, people. All right. So research the requirements, research the breeds so that you can then prep yourself on how long you're going to have this animal and what quality of life you're going to provide for this animal to try to push that limit as much as you can. Um, you know, for the, in a healthy way, I'll say, because what you don't want is a cancer-ridden animal just twitching on the ground for 25 years because they're miserable and in pain and basically you're torturing them. Um, all right, so uh, I think, again, I want to sort of reiterate this idea. When we buy pets, we don't necessarily think about how long they're going to live. Um, and knowing the average lifespan, again, informs how you can take care of them. And it also preps you for losing them. Um, and so when it inevitably does happen, and sometimes it's a tragic event like a car hits it or it just disappears, it runs away for whatever reason and you never see it again, or um, uh, you have to make that horrible decision of putting the animal down, which is a normal decision to make and everyone must make it at some point. Um, how are you going to then honor that? Because just because it's an animal doesn't mean you don't suffer or feel grief in the same way that, you know, your best mate in school, what if they died? You know, you would probably feel it a little bit more because this is something that is always with you, that always supported you when you were bullied or when you had no one else to hang out with, or maybe just when you were really kind of down. They're always there. So you're probably going to feel it a little more roughly than if someone else died like a distant aunt or a grandparent that maybe you saw a handful of times in the year. How do you process those emotions? Don't separate the grief you feel for your pets from the grief that you would feel for a love, another human loved one dying. Because the grief is the same. It doesn't care. The loss that you're going to feel is the same. It's the same emotional roller coaster that you're going to go through with any close loss in life. 
So let that hit you and let it roll over you. And then as soon as you are on the other side of that, and the really important thing to keep to heart here, with any measure of grief, whether it's a human or an animal, you got to get on the other side of it. You cannot dwell because you dwelling in that sense of grief, you, you just embodying loss does not bring the animal back. It does not help you in any way. It's just you, and I'm going to say it, selfishly indulging in sorrow. You don't need to do that. You can get on the other side of it and work through the emotions that you feel and then find out how you can allow that animal to live forever. So, of course, the easiest way, I think, is through photography, right? You take a photo of you and your dog and you will always have that. Some people get tattoos. Some people, I think this is a little creepy, but some people go to taxidermists and get them stuffed so they're always there with you. Um, I imagine there's a whole pet funeral scene that I'm not even tapped into at all that, you know, allows you to cremate them or, or get special caskets or, you know, whatever. I'm sure there's just a plethora of options. Something you got to consider. Something you got to work through. How are you going to allow them to remain with you forever. Because the truth is, is you may only have invested 11 years, you know, six years or whatever in that relationship with that animal. But everything that you experienced throughout that time is now going to be a time capsule, a time travel talisman for you to reflect back on. So maybe it's a song that was popular when you had that animal. And it reminds you of a time and you are immediately transported back to where he was alive or she was alive. And you can kind of enjoy those moments again and just in reflection. You don't want to live there, but from time to time, it's a really nice experience to just travel right back to when they were alive and when they made you very happy. I do it on a regular basis. Um, and this is the other side of this is that it's really tough when you're talking about animals because Again, you put so much time, energy, and money, let's be honest, into these creatures in order to ensure they have the best possible quality of life that you're capable of giving them. And then they're gone. All of that's gone. Everything that you put into it is gone. And so I think personally, it's really important to find a way to allow them to live forever. It doesn't mean you have to dwell on it and be like you know, obsessive or anything. But again, like I like to do is have photos of them in different places around the house. It just makes you feel better. Or maybe it's a screensaver on your, your computer or something like that. Little ways to allow them to live forever in your memory. You put so much energy into them while they're alive. Why not reflect on that from time to time after they're gone? And let's be honest, we're saying this. We're pragmatists. We know they're going to die. We know we're going to hurt. It, it's like, um, you know, I knew there was going to be a time. I've said this a lot of times, so I apologize if you've heard it a hundred times already. You know there's going to be a time when your kids don't want hugs from you anymore in, in public. They're just like embarrassed because they're, you know, they're just that weird, awkward age as kids that they just don't really want to be seen with their parents because they think their parents are lame or whatever. You know it's coming. It still fucking hurts when it happens. It hurts so badly. And you just can't help that pain. Well, this is the exact same thing. You know that these are going to pass. As a pragmatist, you have to realize it's going to happen. One of you is going to die first. Hopefully it's the animal. Let's be honest. And so prep yourself for that passing. 
what hole did they feel inside of you that is now void? And what can you do to fill that hole? Or one thing, I, I don't think it's healthy to think of uh, animals in terms of replacements because then they're no longer individual creatures. They're just, you know, a, a, a stuffed animal for you. Um, and they are living creatures. And so don't think of animals as replacements uh, to take away the pain. But certainly you should be thinking at, at the point of loss, do I think about bringing another animal into my life? Now, it can't take the place of the other animal, of course, but it can help you get over the grief. It can help you move forward in a healthier way. And I got to say, it's very therapeutic taking care of someone other than yourself. As a parent, I think it's incredibly important. I don't think everyone should be parents, so don't take this the wrong way. Um, not everyone's capable of being a parent. But uh, I do think it's important to live outside of yourself from time to time, even Satanists, to take a pet, for example, and just focus on the health and welfare of that entity rather than obsessing over your own life. It really allows you to step away and kind of get out of your head for a while. And you're giving a good quality of life to another creature. So it's a win-win, right? But again, we're pragmatists. We know what's going to happen. What are you going to do when that happens? How are you going to move forward? Are you going to try to replace it? Are you going to try to get over it by helping another creature? Because let's be honest, I know you've heard it since you were kids on Saturday morning cartoon shows. We have an abundance, an overabundance of rescue animals out there that are being put down every single year um, at astronomical levels. Even PETA. Even an organization whose sole existence is to free animals and give them the best uh, as they see it. I don't agree with Peter on everything, well, virtually anything. Um, uh, uh, position of existence, right? They try to elevate animals to the same level as human beings and, and the idea of freedom. They put down animals. So I, it's, it's a reality that we all have to face. Animals are going to be murdered every single year. I mean, you can break it down to weeks, if we're being honest, um, simply because they have no one to take care of them. So it's not like there's not an opportunity to take care of another animal. Um, but again, you need a little buffer time to mentally prepare yourself. And then here's the other thing that I don't, I don't think we really honestly consider a lot. And it's to constantly question, how long is too long to grieve? How long is too long to hold on to those things that we were so comfortable with in our past that are no longer there to bring us comfort? How long is it okay to live in agony of loss? And there's no single answer. It's, that's why I said you got to ask yourself. But you cannot move forward in life if you're constantly living in a past period. You have to get through it, and you have to move forward. Satanism is about real-world accomplishment, the achieving of goals, the becoming a better version, possibly the best version of you that you can, and that should not be wallowing in pity or grief. Experience it in the moment, appreciate it, and move on. That is really important. So when... Um, 
uh, loafer had to be put down because he just got to the age where he just could not move around very easily anymore. He was in constant pain. Um, I think he had like liver failure or some shit. I was in the military at the time when it happened. My mom just called me and said, we put him down. Uh, or Fenris, um, who had cancer and we had to put him down. Um, you have to appreciate the moment and experience it and then move past it. And then ultimately, finally, years later, you know, we, we got some more animals and stuff. But it wasn't easy and it never is and it shouldn't be. Loss is an important part of life that we have to experience. So it just makes you a more competent and well-rounded individual by being able to get through it. But you have to get through it. All right, so what do you guys say? Um, Zachary, the death of a favorite pet can be even more difficult than a human because they remind one of pure enjoyment of life. However much of a fantasy we may feel it is in modern culture. You're absolutely right. I absolutely agree. Um, you plan to get a memorial tattoo that will use some of the ashes from Ben and Paris, uh, your two dogs that passed. Dog, that's a great idea. I, I think that's I think that's fantastic. Let's make sure it's a good artist. <laughs> um, I sep Here's the thing. Uh, this is going to Silly Swastika's question. Uh, Rev, is this about your chicken? No, this is not about my chicken. This is about some other friends who posted on my website about um, their animals that have passed, and I just thought it would be a good topic to talk about. Because it's something that we have to deal with, right? As Satanists and as everyone in life. Um, we just, I, I think on average, the more Satanists I meet, the more I see them paying attention to the care of the animals that they have. Whereas anecdotally, other people I meet, they just say, oh yeah, I got a pet. He's somewhere in the backyard chained up. Or, you know, that's my cat. I'd never really see him anywhere. And they don't really take stock in the creature. But it seems like most Satanists that I know do actually actively care for their animal companions, like in a meaningful way. So that's why I thought it would be important to bring up. Um, no, I, I actually see my chickens separate because let's be honest, it's livestock. It's, it's animals that I only have to get eggs out of. I do grow bonds with them, but it's nowhere, but because they live in my backyard and I don't like hang out with them all the time, like I do my dogs, I, I don't have that emotional connection to them. And so when it came time to cut the heads off of two of them because they were really, really sick, we just did it. And, it, you know, we didn't shed tears or anything. It was a pragmatic approach to livestock. You have to be able to flip that switch for certain types of animals that you have. And, it, you know, it's the same thing. Like, we just had a mouse run through our house. I didn't think twice about smashing the shit out of it with a fucking broom so we could feed it to our chicken. Like that's, you know, not all animal gets the same emotional attachment um, in your lives. That's a choice that you have to make. And for me, I keep livestock on one lane and I keep house animals on a completely separate lane. Um. <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> that would be hilarious taking chickens on a hike i think that's funny no i do not take my chickens on a hike i just have a train of like eight chickens behind me <laughs> that'd be really funny um let's see uh william you're going through some loss right now working on getting through it yeah well good luck with that man it's important you've got to uh yeah gary very true about PETA being horrible yeah <laughs> nearly every group all right, just blanket statement here. 
nearly every group that you, on the face, you're like, oh, that looks like a good group, a good idea. There's some shit in the back room you don't want to be a, associated with. So just be wary and do your research if you're ever going to attach yourself to any group because uh, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes it's really fucking bad. Um, yeah, dog, chickens do have a lot of personality. I was being attacked by Brownie, my, my little spotted chicken. She thought my socks were ground, and so she was like clawing and pecking at my feet trying to get a bug out of them or something. Maybe she's telling me something. Maybe I got to wash more. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I did not see that, Jordan, at the movie Alpha. I'll have to check that out, especially if it brought that aspect into it. That's why I really liked um, movies like um, Where the Red Fern Grows, though it's heavily religious. I still enjoy the film. Um, Old Yeller. Um, it, dog movies, if there's a dog that dies, I'm a mess. I can't. I have to pace myself in order to watch a film like that because you will see Adam with like big, <laughs> big red puffy eyes and snot bubbles coming out of it, just like openly weeping. It's embarrassing. So I have to pace myself on animal, on animal movies. All right. That's all I wanted to talk about. Um, if there's anything that you guys have suggestions, uh, coping mechanisms, maybe, or how you think is a good way to memorialize your animals, um, put it in the chat or put it in the description of the video below so other people can hear what you have to say and, and we can all you know sort of walk through this uh, terrible avenue of loss together. Because you have to, right? All right, let's do a little Infernal Informant, people. Throw these images out of here and add the new one. Okay. Trump, caught off guard by news of Ginsburg's death, said he was saddened. This is an AOL article, but there's tons of video online about it you can watch. Uh, in an extraordinary moment following his rally in Minnesota on Friday night, President Trump appeared to be caught off guard when a reporter informed him of the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Quote, she just died? Wow, I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time, Trump said on the tarmac at, as Elton John's Tiny Dancer, a staple of the house music at the president's rallies, could be heard in the background. Quote, she led an amazing life, Trump continued. What else can you say? She was an amazing woman, whether you agreed or not. She was an amazing woman who led an amazing life. Um, actually saddened to hear. I'm saddened to hear that. Ginsburg, the iconic liberal justice and champion of women's rights, died Friday at her Washington home of complications from pancreatic cancer, the court said. She was 87 years old. In a lengthy statement reacting to Ginsburg's death, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell vowed that Trump's nominee will receive a vote on the floor of that United States Senate. Following the death of Justice Antony Scalia in February 2016, McConnell refused to allow the Senate to vote on President Obama's nominee to fill Scalia's seat, Merrick Garland, saying the choice should be left to the next president. Obama's presidency at that point had 11 months to run, 
almost a quarter of a full presidential term. Trump's first term will be over on January 20th, 2021. Biden, who also was campaigning in Minnesota Friday, reacted to Ginsburg's death in a televised statement upon his return to Newcastle Airport in Delaware. Quote, Ruth Bader Ginsburg stood for all of us, Biden said. She was fierce, unflinching in the civil rights for everyone. Tonight and in the coming days, we should focus on the loss of justice and her enduring legacy, he continued. There is no doubt, let me be clear, that the voters should pick the president and the president should pick the justice for the Senate to consider. That is my hope and expectation of what will happen, Biden added. In a statement relayed by her granddaughter, Clara Spera, Ginsburg said, My most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. All right, this is a, this is, this is a difficult issue. Um, legally, they have every right to nominate and vote in anyone. Anyone that can get through the nomination process. That is the presidential right that is put down in the Constitution, and the Senate is part of that decision-making that makes that happen. So they're 100% have the right to do it. As much as I don't like the idea of it, that's America. The other side of that, the sheer hypocrisy of Republicans. This is why I can't stand Republicans. They're liars, they're cheats, and they don't hide it, but people buy into it every fucking time. How stupid are Republicans that constantly vote for these fucking liars. And here's the thing. I lie all the time. Lying is not an abjectly bad thing. I think it's an important part of life. But be a goddamn respectable human being. If you're going to set a standard, then you have to follow the standard you fucking set. Republicans? Mitch McConnell, that fucking hero in a half shell for the fucking Republican, right? Demanded at 11 months that the next president should choose the next uh, justice. And now, with only two, he's saying, well, that doesn't matter anymore. Uh, let's just uh, get ours in there because, you know, ours is more important. Republicans are fucking liars. They're fucking hypocrites. They're the worst human beings. Let's put it like this. There's only one party that will lie, cheat, and steal to go against the actual public of the United States, prevent equal rights, prevent voting, prevent the freedom of you actually being able to make your own medical decisions, and that's the Republican Party. It's the only party that's actively legislating the difficulty to vote rather than the accessibility to vote. It's the only party that's actively acting to shut down or prevent equal opportunity under the law. It's the only party that is incapable of maintaining a balanced budget. It is the only party that tries to prevent women from making decisions about their own body. It is the only party that does this. And yet people still vote for him. How stupid are you, America? Now, I don't believe in this grand scheme of peace, love, and understanding. I'm a pragmatist. But I do believe in equal protection under law. 
and equal opportunity because it's in the fucking constitution. Like that's what America is all about. If you're going to set a standard for one party, both parties have to adhere to it, period. That's it. Now, here's something that not many people are going to tell you, but it's the absolute fucking truth. If, and this is a big if, if the Democrats had balls, again, they haven't shown them yet, but if they grow them, they can actually stop this. They can stop it in a number of ways. The easiest way, because there's a precedent for it and there are laws that have been broken, they can just bring up another impeachment trial and stop it altogether. Now, is that fair? Legally, yeah. Legally, it's their right, just like it's legally the right of the Senate and the president to bring up a nomination for the Supreme Court whole. So, has the president broken laws? Yeah. Yeah, he has. Has he uh, faced recourse for those? No. No, he hasn't. So, if the Republicans want to go with what they legally can do, I say the Democrats do what you legally can do to stop them. Impeach this motherfucker again, because everything stops once impeachment's on the table. Do it a thousand times if you want. I don't care. Don't let a conservative, another already overbalanced Supreme Court, which represents less than half of the country, less than half of voting people actually believe in the acts that the Republicans engage in. They believe in progressive ideals. The vast majority of Americans believe in progressive ideals over Republican ideals. It's unbelievable. But because Republicans lie, cheat, and steal in order to win elections, they get more power. So, stop fighting nice! Put your fists up and kick them in the balls as you punch them in the face. Stop kowtowing to these fucking criminals! It's not hard! Just fucking do it! You have the legal ability to stop it. So, stop! Now look, I've never understood why people don't like groups like the ACLU. Usually it's because, well, Republicans say it's not good, so I don't like it either. But if you actually believed in freedom of speech, you would appreciate people like the ACLU. If you believed in men's rights, you would believe in people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she actually defended men legally to have the same rights that women had in her time. She believed that every human had an equal opportunity of protection under the law and equal right to act in society. Period. That means you bigoted assholes out there and everyone else has the same equal rights. I know you don't like that, but that's what she stood for, which, like it or not, protected your bigoted ass. So why do they not like these groups? The ACLU protected Nazis under freedom of speech laws. Why doesn't the fucking right love ACLU? They protect their bigoted views. It doesn't make any sense. Because they're fucking liars, they're fucking cheats, and they're fucking hypocrites. That's the only way they've ever had any decision-making 
And if people actually looked at what they did and not what they say, they would see that. It's that simple. So yeah, yeah. Trump and the Senate can nominate whoever the fuck they want. And the Democrats can stop it. They don't even have to impeach him. There's other ways of doing it. But that's the easiest. And I think the responsible thing to do. Because this is a corrupt president who has broken laws who should be held accountable. Because again, the law should apply to everyone. All right. Sorry, Shuli. I can't even say your name, dude. Silly. Um, I don't I don't personally care. I, I think everyone should have the opportunity to vote however their conscience dictates, right? And that means that if you're a Republican and you want to vote for whatever you want to vote for, by all means, that's what this country is all about. Like, do your thing. I'm not going to stop you. I'm just going to explain how choices you make are hypocritical and nonsensical and against your own self-interest. Whether you listen to that or not, that's on you. You don't have to agree with me. Um, all right. So the right wing's pathetic obsession with rolling out a Christo-fascist state is so desperate that they have to do it illegal and with force. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Trump is so fucking stupid. He says the quiet parts out loud. He literally said, if there was equal voting, Republicans would never get into office again. Yeah, no shit. Because no one agrees with their fucking policies, except for the incredibly wealthy. And that's not America. And so you see all these fucking southern, poor and broken middle class Republicans voting for Republicans. They're literally voting against their own self-interest. But they think they're on the party line and so it's a good thing for America. While they continue to get more destitute and more uh, 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 poor quality of life. And they never see that trickle down that the Republicans always promise. They never research. They're fucking stupid. Welcome to America. Idiots. I've got, and that's my family too. That's right. Both my, my fucking step family and my personal family are Republican. And they are always complaining about the deficit, which their party racks up complaining about the government getting all up in their business, which the Republicans are always doing. Complaining about, like, it's just, how, how long can you watch it before you just want to smack them across their stupid face and say, you're the fucking problem. You put them in office, now you're suffering for it, and you're blaming the side that had nothing to do with it. Fucking idiots. So dumb. Uh, they're all owned by the same companies. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and that's why something like this, like the impeachment, that doesn't actually affect any corporate interests. Because again, it's corporatists. <laughs> as much as I hate them. Um, but I'm talking about for the next 30 years that we got to be looking out for. The next 30 years can be really dark or they can be a little bit progressive. Or they could just say the fucking same. And that is based on choices that are made in the coming weeks and the actions that are done before this next election and the choices that the public makes during the next election. And it's that simple. 
Um, all right, all right. He kept telling people astrologically there was going to be a wrench in this election. <laughs> Dog. Yeah, I, I'm not a I'm not a big uh, believer in that stuff, but it certainly is a wrench. <laughs> you can't deny that. It's a big fucking problem. I actually really respect Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like, I didn't know about her life until her passing, which is kind of sucks. But watching like her history, she is fucking amazing. And she was not biased. And she helped men get rights that women exclusively had because she believed in equality, which should here's this should be a no-brainer for any Satanist. Honestly, if you as a Satanist don't want to be persecuted, you have to live in a society that welcomes religions, plural, not just Islamic, Judeo-Christian, depending where you live regionally. I mean, all religions. If you don't want to have that freedom, well, continue voting Republican. It's that simple. It's your choice. Do your thing. As a Satanist, I prefer to not have to worry about being thrown in prison because I'm a Satanist or having my assets seized or being fucking murdered in the street. Like, it's just call me crazy. Which means I have to coexist in a world with other religions that I completely disagree with. But I will always choose that option to hiding in fear. Always. All right. Um, Brian, you're probably right. You're probably right. I am not optimistic. Let's do this next article. Blah, blah, bloop. All right. Officials identify a woman suspect after letter laced with deadly rice and poison sent to President Trump. This is a businessinsider.com article. Sorry, I had a sip of tea there. <clears throat> An envelope posted to the White House containing the lethal substance ricin was intercepted by U.S. authorities on Saturday. The letter addressed to President Donald Trump appears to have been sent from Canada, and officials have identified a woman as a suspect, according to a report by the New York Times. It was stopped at the final off-site government mail center before it arrived at the White House. Quote, the FBI and our secret, U.S. Secret Service and U.S. Postal Inspection Service partners are investigating a suspicious letter received at a U.S. government mail facility, the FBI said in a statement, according to Times. At this time, there is no known uh, threat to public safety. Similar envelopes were sent to law enforcement agencies in Texas, including a detention facility and a sheriff's office. The Joint Terrorism Task Force in Washington is taking charge of the investigation with help from New York and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Ricin is a powerful toxin produced in the seeds of castor oil plant. The seed is so potent that a dose of purified ricin powder the size of a few grains of table salt can kill a human within three to five days. This is not the first time there have been such attacks. A Navy veteran was charged for attempting to send envelopes with ricin to multiple U.S. officials in 2018. William Clyde Allen's case is still pending because officials found he had sent castor beans instead of ricin powder. Former President Barack Obama was also the target of a ricin attack. So the reason why I'm bringing this up, I think it's really important. Um, because you disagree with someone politically, because you see them actively destroying our environment, because you see them actively committing crimes in office, does not mean that you as an individual have the 
moral authority, whatever that means, to murder them. That means that you are radicalized and you are no longer a participant in this society, in this case, in Canadian society. I see notes in my shows on a regular basis of my reactions and people reacting to them saying all BLM, all liberals, all Antifa should be murdered and shot on sight. You're a fucking radical terrorist. If that's what you think, if that's how you feel, you have been radicalized and you are no longer a conscious thinking human. You are now a fucking easily led automaton by whatever fascist group wants to take control. You're as bad as you are assuming these other things are. Just because you disagree with someone or their policies or their actions does not give you the right to murder them. That is fascism. That is not democracy. Whether you're in America or out of America, how can you see yourself as an American and actively try to murder someone that disagrees with you? The founding of this country is based around the idea that everyone has the right to act as they want, to think what they want, and to say what they want. That doesn't mean you get to murder them because you disagree with them. And this ties into my previous diatribe because you're seeing it on the extreme left and you're seeing it all over the face of the right. Not even the extreme right, just everywhere on the right. Murder them. Stop them. Don't let liberals anywhere near government. Murder them. You are a fanatic at that point. You should not be able to vote. You should not have rights as a citizen at that point. Because you are no longer acting as a productive member of society. You are actively trying to destroy that society. And that goes for trying to kill President Trump. And that goes for trying to kill anyone who disagrees with you. That is not where we should be as human beings. Satanists have destruction rituals, which are symbolic. Part of greater magic. So that you as the individual can get over these hurdles of emotion that you're feeling. But if you see yourself as a Satanist and you're actively trying to murder the opposite side of a socio-political group that you disagree with, you need to take a step back and really examine your life choices because you have been radicalized at that point. You are no longer an individual. You are now following what someone else is telling you to do. Because that is not the decision-making of a rational, productive human being. Certainly not a Satanist. Period. Full stop. Now, you're going to experience moments where you want to murder someone in life. That's life. Go to the chamber. Psychodrama it out. But to actively demand it, or to follow it through, or to send letters in the mail? No. That's, that's fundamentally undemocratic. That's just not... That's not the way you live a life, period. Full stop. You're an animal at that point. And yeah, sometimes we're worse than animals. Sometimes we're not. It drives me crazy because I'm, I only get that from the right because as I personally see it, I'm like down the road. 
I have some right ideas and I have some left ideas. Um, some are pretty out there <laughs> and some aren't. Uh, but most of the right sees me as full left or something, which is just not fundamentally true, but that's okay. But they're the ones that I'm always seeing in my comment fields saying we need to murder people on the right. I'm, I'm sorry, we need to murder people on the left uh, because of their opinions and because of their ideas. That's insane. That's pure insanity. Why anyone would think that way is beyond me. I welcome diversity of thought and opinion. I welcome being challenged on my views. If you don't like what I'm saying, come back at me. See what you got. I got someone in my, <laughs> in my chat that is like actively talking to me about critical race theory. I never once said I supported critical race theory, but they're like hell bent on me being, you know, on their perspective on the issue. Okay, do your thing, send me articles and whatever. But I mean, the fact is I never support it. So I'm not going to fucking, I'm not really going to spend too much time on it. But that's my point is that people see my position that I'm, I'm spouting off here and they feel threatened by the idea that someone has an opinion different than theirs. When instead you have an opportunity of growth. And that is to hear a perspective and try to process through why they see it that way. What is it that informed them? And how does that fit in with your worldview? This is really important, people. We are living in, in my lifetime, the most divisive period in my entire life history and arguably in my parents. It is way more than the fucking hippies anti-war movement. We are on the border of a fucking civil war. And that, that's just how I see it. That's based on how people are acting on and offline. This is a very, very, very dangerous time in this country. And it's just going to get worse in the next two months. And then after that, it's probably going to be bad then too. Like for a long time. Now, we have political leaders that have stoked that division. But it's our choice whether we buy into that bullshit logic. Fear is a tool that we use, not something we succumb to. Division only works in fucking mathematics positively. Honestly. If you want your own freedom, other people have to have their own too. If you want your own liberty, other people have to have that too. That's just how life works. So you have to concede that though you don't agree with someone, they have a valid point to themselves that they're going to live and you just have to let them do it. If they get in your way, well, then you got to deal with something. But up until that point, let them do their thing and they'll let you do their, your thing. That's generally how it works. If we're not in such a divisive place. So don't buy into the divisive fucking um, uh, propaganda. Process it in a different way. Work through it in a different way. Examine different perspectives. It is really fucking fundamental to being a fully formed human being. Don't become rad radicalized and don't be a tool for someone else to use. I don't know. <laughs> Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah, it drives me crazy, man. People just, they get so, they get so on their side. Ugh. 
<laughs> yeah, Zachary. That is funny. <laughs> Anarchist cookbook. I remember that when I was a kid. My, actually, I, I, in middle school, my uh, at the time, my best friend made some fucking napalm from uh, the, the Anarchist cookbook, he said, download on his fucking uh, uh, DOS-based um, IBM computer. Uh, and uh, made napalm in these big old like jars, put it in his middle school locker, and was telling everyone about it. And so of course, like the police came in, and like he was uh, suspended. But get this, he was back the next day. He probably didn't do it correctly. It probably wasn't real, but he made napalm and brought it to school. And the school was like, uh, "Leave for the day and come back tomorrow." Nowadays, my son had a fucking Nerf gun, and he was suspended because he brought a gun to school. No shit. There was fucking cops there when they called me and brought me in. Ridiculous. <laughs> Napalm. Anarchist cookbook, man. <laughs> that's full of shit. That thing, my goodness. All right, that's, that's why I wanted to bring that up, because even though, let's say, worst case scenario, Democrats act as they always have, and they have no balls, and they just let the Republicans steamroll over them. Well, there's historical precedent for it, so they, they're just fucking weak. That's what they do. Republicans are much stronger, and so they, that's what, they're a minority in the country, and yet they fucking steamroll over everyone. That's how it works if you're a fucking bitch. So let's say that they get the next Supreme Court justice, and we have a completely conservative, Supreme, ostensibly, Supreme Court justice uh, for the next 30-plus years. I'm still not going to try to murder someone. <laughs> Like, that's just, that's how life works. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're fighting with the man, and sometimes you're appreciating what they're doing for you. That's, that's life. You gotta let, you just let it fucking go. Just work with the system, or don't complain about the system. So, stop acting like everything is the end of the world. Get a little bit of perspective. I know I'm very insistent about my perspectives, and it's because I want to see the world in a way that I can freely move about however I want to, and my family can do the same. That doesn't mean I want to destroy the other party or wipe them off the face of the earth, you know, whatever party that I might disagree with. I mean, it's just the fact. Like, I welcome the diversity. That's what I love about life, is that you don't all agree. Like all of us should. All right. <laughs> Moira. No, no, no. All right, let's do a little creature feature, people. Fuck, I'm going long. Hope you guys are okay to hang around. I'll make this short. Alrighty then, let me throw up the image and we will get into it. Alright, long way up. This is an Apple TV uh, documentary, essentially. Uh, debuted September 18, 2020, documenting a motorcycle journey undertaken in 2019 by Owen McGregor and Charlie Borman from Eurasia... 
Ushuaia in Argentina uh, through South and Central America to Los Angeles. The first three episodes of Long Way Up premiered globally on Apple TV on Friday, September 18, and new episodes will roll out weekly. The journey covered 13,000 miles through 13 countries over 100 days starting in September 2019 and finishing on 14 December of the same year. They rode Harley-Davidson Livewire electric motorcycles manufactured by Harley-Davidson that have been converted into adventure bikes. It includes the director-producers David Axelanian and Russ Malkin and directors of photography Jimmy Simak and Claudio Von Planta. Also joining is associate producer Taylor Estevez and cinematographer Anthony Von Seck. During the Long Way Round, which is their first documentary, uh, not this, there's three of them. Uh, during Long Way Round, Un and Charlie visited three UNICEF programs in Ukraine, Kazakhstan, and Mongolia, and then after were made UK ambassadors. On their second adventure, called Long Way Down, they saw UNICEF work with child soldiers in Uganda and landmine awareness programs in Ethiopia. The Long Way Up series will see them visit three further UNICEF programs in South and Central America. Um, I actually really appreciate this show because one, I'm, I'm a fan of Owen McGregor, two, I'm a fan of motorcycles, and three, I love seeing how similar everywhere in the world is to everywhere else. We, in our heads, think everywhere is completely different and people are completely different, but the truth is, is we are all really much alike, and the global terrain of the earth is not that different wherever you are every single place i saw them go from london all the way through um to alaska through russia through mongolia through ukraine etc the landscape there i can show you places in utah that look like every single one of them like it's it's stunning how similar everywhere looks like everywhere else it's, it's really, like, mind-blowing. This world is not that diverse, and the people are not that diverse. They are constantly running across people who are just more than willing to give them whatever they want and, you know, share their lives with them for the, you know, brief time span that they're there with them, share their power and resources with them so they can charge their electric bikes. I mean, it's, it's actually encouraging to me because we're constantly being bombarded with what we see as these really big, urgent problems. We're stopping fascism, or we're going to stop, uh, you know, the liberal assault on our fascism. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but there's other people that are just struggling to get water. That's it. Clean water. They don't have time for these political arguments that we're having. They don't have time to make ricin <laughs> poison. They're just trying to get food and they're trying to have their kids live through their youth. That's all. They just want their family unit to be healthy and happy. And they're willing to let a stranger in. Not because some great glorious religion told them to do it. Just because they're good folks. That's it. Now, I'm not saying everyone should do that because I certainly won't. But I kind of like the idea that there are people out there that do. I'm going to be honest with you. And groups like UNICEF, organizations like UNICEF, I think, are doing fucking amazing things. Like, they're in, in, like, Long Way Round, the first documentary, they go to see these, um, 
children who are like literally the, the parents abandon their children because they can't take care of them. And so UNICEF brings them over in this sort of child shelter. And so they're sitting, uh, Un and Charlie are sitting there surrounded by all these children and all the caretakers and stuff, talking with them and the children are all happy and laughing and stuff. And they literally have nothing. They don't, they don't have a fucking iPhone or an Apple watch. They can't watch any program or learn any bit of information in the fucking push of a button. They have nothing and they're absolutely happy because they have shelter and food and someone that's taking care of them and situations like that when you're seeing that with like kids whew, bring on the waterworks and adam I, I when it comes to kids i don't i can't i can't fucking handle that shit that's why i will never go to like children's hospitals and do work there even though i would want to i cannot emotionally handle it it is too much for me to take I will just be a big puddle of mess. Um, but I love that there's groups that can and do it. Because let's be honest, kids don't get a choice in anything. And if, if we can allow them the opportunity to <laughs> grow, maybe, maybe, there's some Satanists in there. But more importantly, maybe they're going to make meaningful change in the world, you know? I mean, I don't know. I think it's important. And it's something that I champion, and I love that they champion it as well. And then, you know, again, getting to see different cultures in different parts of the world vicariously through these people, um, for me, is really thrilling. I really do enjoy it. And so if you, if you enjoy these types of documentaries, I highly recommend Long Way Around, which they go to from London all the way around greater Europe continent, European continent, um, through Asia and everything. Uh, to Alaska and then down through Canada through the US over to New York um, the second one is really great too I'm re-watching it again for like the fourth time it's called Long Way Down and they start at the very top of South Af of Africa and they go all the way down to the very bottom of South Africa uh, and this one they're starting at the very bottom of South America and they're going all the way up to Los Angeles so you get to see a swath of different places some of them more time is spent based on storytelling and you know how much time they need to get through the country you get to get a glimpse of how badly america is not appreciated if you're british <laughs> if you're from the uk no problem going through these places if you're from the us sometimes they're banned and they won't let you into the border and it causes some drama with the you know the producing of the show because of that which is interesting i think i find it very interesting so um Okay, I don't know. Violence is definitely innate in all animals. Most animals just understand the seriousness of it. I absolutely agree with that, actually. Like, we, if there's two things that human beings have done throughout all of history, it's create and destroy, period. Like, that's, that's what we do. We're, so I, I, I don't agree with the assertion that um, humans aren't violent. Uh, you think animals don't do it pathologically? We do, as humans. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that either because, you know, all things being equal, which they're not, there's always exceptions to every rule and situation. Um, you get animals that don't just kill for food. Sometimes there's an asshole in every group <laughs> and they just are on a rampage and they love to murder and kill. The difference between animals and humans in that respect is that most animals who are that way 
don't have propaganda to gather other animals around them to help them do it. Whereas humans, the easily led automatons that we are, do. We convince our fellow beings who would not normally do that to join in on the fun of murdering and, and genocide. That's just that's what that's the difference between humans and other animals. So Yeah, and, and then again, they don't have religion. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a long episode. I appreciate you guys um, sitting through it. I actually started early and I'm going longer than my uh, regular prepared time. So I do genuinely appreciate it. And I want to be 100% clear here. I do not expect anyone out there to agree with anything that I say. I'm just explaining how I perceive the world. I am one Satanist. This is not a monolith. Every Satanist has their own own free will to do and think however and whatever they want period so i welcome that i don't always agree with it but that's okay so make sure that you don't are don't don't allow my opinion to sway you do your own research because i'm not going to let your opinion sway me and i will look into your opinion and that's how i think we should all go about it everything really so however the next few months work out i'm gonna be with you talking you through it i think it's gonna get fucking crazy personally but i hope i'm wrong um but somehow we're gonna process through it in these satanic series that i put out and uh, hopefully we'll get through it in a more individually positive way meaning there's a little bit of growth throughout the process a little bit of individual growth i think is the best possible outcome of any given situation we're Satanists. We're individualists. Let's focus on that. All right. So that's it. If you appreciate what I'm doing, I welcome you to subscribe to the YouTube channel, sign up to the email list. And if you're getting this as an audio podcast, which I'm going to be dropping this as an audio podcast tomorrow, uh, give me a rating and a review in the audio platform that you find me. Uh, just look Reverend Campbell. I am literally in every podcast platform that you use. So I really do appreciate it if you could do that. Uh, it just helps with recommendations and visibility. That's really all it comes down to. Um, if you don't want to, that's fine too. I don't, you know, <laughs> do your thing, man. Um, but that's kind of it. So until next week, be safe, be well, and hail Satan. <laughs>